Welcome to the new year. I know we're already into it a good bit, but uh, it's our first gathering in the new year. And uh, I want to challenge you to think about this in terms of um, not just what you've done wrong, but what you can do right or continue to do right so that you have less to redo in your life. Amen. Uh, So often what we can do is read the Bible and and our heart immediately reflects on what we're not keeping up with or what we're not doing that might honor God rather than what we are doing that honors God. And the challenge is, is how many of you know that uh, what a man fears, what a person fears in their life, the Bible says comes upon him. Did you know that? In Proverbs. What you fear tends to come upon you because it becomes the uh, thing you focus on. It, It actually starts to become your vision. You're looking at that, and what ends up happening is you start to become more like that rather than staying focused on who Christ is in your life, the ways that you're honoring and following him so that you can become more and more like him. Amen? And so what I want to challenge you to think about where it comes to redo um, is the idea of the power of the repeat. The power of the repeat. That you actually can repeat behaviors. You can actually repeat disciplines that cause you to pursue God, to follow God more than you did yesterday. Tomorrow to follow him more than you are today. Amen? And so, uh, you know, as I reflected on this, I I was actually thinking about the fact we were at our young adult gathering uh, over the past two days, and um, don't put that up yet. Are you, oh, I'm sorry. I look back here. I see the next slide, don't I? I'm like, oh, man, don't do that. You steal my thunder. Uh, so we got to hang out with a, a number of our young adults, also with some young adults from Fort Collins, a guy by the name of Rob Bray. He used to be a youth pastor here um, and then uh, ended up going and planting a church uh, in, in Nebraska, which we uh, helped him with and, and served him in that. Then he moved back to Fort Collins and for... Uh, a number of years, uh, worked alongside some other men and, and built a business. He's a partner in a business called Mighty Hand Construction up in Fort Collins. Um, and then they planted a church uh, right when uh, COVID started to break. They planted a church. Uh, we came back in June. I think they started that somewhere in April or May uh, in that year. And they planted a church uh, in the midst of, of COVID, if you will, where we all kept thinking it was going to be over, right? Is it over yet, by the way? Uh, I don't know what's going on with it, but here's what I do know. Uh, in Christ, come on, right, we get a redo. <laughs> we got to redo the things, right, that he has done in us before. The gospel did not stop as a result of COVID. Did you know that? Amen. The gospel didn't stop. Now, let me say that a whole lot of change has come about. And they call it, in the world, they're calling it the great reset. And let me tell you that that great reset, in a sense is a reset of the way that we think about things. And it's not just impacting businesses. It's not just impacting schools. It's not just impacting families. It's impacting the church. I read just the other day that 7,000 pastors resigned the ministry last year, senior pastors. And exponentially, that there was multiple upon multiple numbers above that that resigned ministry that were staff members. Now, let me say this to you, that... It's okay, because guess what? It's going on in every other facet of, of the nation and even around the world where things are changing and being reset. But I want 
you to think of how much Christ, when he died on that cross, secured a life for us that's not measured by this world, but rather it is measured by, come on somebody, it's measured by eternity. You know, that, that I live my life now for eternity, not one day when I get into eternity, that I make choices today that are building for eternity and more so than that, just the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God, that it's at work within me. Luke 2, one of my favorite scriptures to quote, is that the kingdom of God is in you. When we look around our world, it's like, well, the kingdom of God is in the world. No, the kingdom of God has come and it resides in you. And the kingdom in you changes the world around you. Can I say it redoes the world around us? Because there's an anointing that's been given to you by the Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, by the power of God's Word, as we meditate on it, as we get the Word of God in us, that when we speak the Word, we are speaking the creative force of God's nature into this earth. I speak the creative nature of God into my children. And I speak the creative nature of God into my grandchildren. And I speak the creative nature of God into my wife. My wife speaks the creative nature of God in me. When she speaks the word into me, she creates in me more a likeness of Christ. Why? Because there's an anointing on her life. There's an anointing on my life. As a matter of fact, many times I've told you, uh, for Angie and I, when we were in a hard time in our marriage and we were on the verge of divorce and we're fighting all the time, anybody in here know what that looks like in your marriage from time to time? You're going to go home and get trouble if you said amen to that. I kind of, that was rhetorical. <laughs> but I remember distinctly, there's a moment, you know, I'm hurt and I'm offended towards the church and things that have happened. And, and what ends up happening is I don't want to go to church anymore. I don't want to be a part of that anymore. My wife looks at me and says, you're not going to keep me from worshiping my God. And I'm like, er, you know, stop the press. Because right now it's not her that I'm kind of coming against. It's God himself. In her, the kingdom of God in her declares that I'm not her God. And I can't tell her where and how and who she's going to worship. Come on now. Hmm. And I'll never forget in the midst of all of that. Neither one of us are behaving like Christians. Can I get an amen? <clears throat> and our daughter, five, five years old, five years old. And I know many of you have heard this before, but you're going to hear it again this morning. Five years old, we're raising her up. Even though I'm offended at the church or I'm offended the way things are and all that junk going on, I still taught my daughter the word and I still wanted my daughter to know the word. I just had people that I didn't get along with. Come on now. Hmm. Right between us, as we're arguing, Angie was one of the people I wasn't getting along with, and she wasn't getting along with me. And that little five-year-old with the word of God in her walks between us and puts her hands on both of our stomachs, and she says, God said stop. And we stopped. And we looked down at her, and she just walked back off to the room and continued to play with her brother and sister. And we looked at each other, and I'm like, I'm going to my office. She goes, I'm going to the bedroom. I went to my office and went to God, and she went to the bedroom and went to God. And wouldn't you know it, God brought us together, right? What the Lord, what God has put together, let no man separate. That's what marriage is meant to be. 
It's meant to operate that way in relationships as well. That doesn't mean we pursue all the same things in life or like all the same things in life, but one thing's for sure, we need to walk in unity in life. We need to walk in love and in, in the things of God's spirit and compassion and grace and mercy and, come on somebody, our little five-year-old daughter spoke truth to us. We need to walk in truth. Now fortunately for Angie and I, that moment created something for us and that was called a redo. And when we first met, you know, I had come to the Lord, Angie um, came back to the Lord, the backslider that she was. I love you, baby. But I remember telling her when I gave my life to Christ. I gave my life to Christ and she said to me, I did not know the moment where she turned back to God. I asked her one day, I said, when did that change for you? She said, uh, when you told me that night, I knelt down at the end of my bed and I said, God, all I've ever wanted was a man that would love you and love me, that I could have a family with. And so forgive me for turning away from you. And Lord, I give you my life again. Did I get that right? Powerful moments, the power of a redo. Think about it this way. Even though I got saved in that moment, that was a redo for my life. Why? When anyone that is in Christ Jesus, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become anyone new. The redo gives you the opportunity for old things to become new. We just sang it in one of our worship songs this morning. And God wants that to be the order of each and every day of your life. Not once in a while, not once a year, but every single day of your life to embrace that redo that God offers you by his grace and his mercy. Can you say amen? But if you're going to live in that, you've got to understand the power of the repeat. The repeat. That you would do devotional study of God's word. That you would have devotional worship towards the Father. And that you would have a devotional invitation for the Holy Spirit to come and always fill you. Now having said that, I want to do a, a little commercial for something called movement. Anybody ever heard of movement yet? You know, so some of our young adults, we got to go up to the mountain. We took them up to the mountain. We went skiing and snowboarding. I told you Rob Ray, he brought some of his young people down. Uh, Rob, actually their church is going to be coming into Open Bible. He's going to be a credentialed minister with Open Bible. So our young adults will be doing some things together. Next week, uh, if you've got a copy of this on your seat there, it's a little flyer, it's orange, and it's got a young lady on there. Her name is Jessie Davis. She spoke at our last movement in Anaheim, California, and she also spoke at our lead conference that we did right here uh, at our church here in Colorado Springs. Um, she's going to be here next week sharing a message on Redo. I promise you, you don't want to miss next Sunday. And make sure you get your kids out here, any young adults or kids that you know, youth, get them here because she is a dynamic speaker that brings life transformation by the power of God working through her. Um, we took them up to the mountain, we got to snowboard, we got to ski, uh, we got to tube. Pastor Warren led the tubing team. Um, I, got to go, <laughs> I got to go out and snowboard with some folks. Um, you know, the, these young guys, you know, they, they kind of want to go a little crazy, like my son, Wade, sitting over there, Jeremy Stone, and they had another buddy up there and some of these other guys. Rob Bray is younger than me. He's like 33 years old, and 
So, you know, I'm 52. I don't have what they have anymore. And I definitely don't have the power to heal like I used to heal after something, right? Well, in Keystone, they have the front side, right? And, you know, they got greens and blues, and they got some blacks, if you will. But on the back side, it's really gnarly. It's really scary, and especially the first slope where you got to go down because that thing always melts and ices over, and any snow that's on top of it just slides out from under you. And every time I've gone down the back side of that mountain, I get hurt. So they're like, hey, let's go to the back side. I'm like, hey, let's not. No, let's hit the backside. I'm like, no, let's not. And they're strapping in on the backside of the mountain. I'm like, I guess we're doing the backside of the mountain. So I roll up there and strap in, and I'm like, this is going to hurt. <laughs> we start down, and sure enough, not even a quarter of the way down, you start feeling the ice under. You can hear the snowboard just grinding ice. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, be with me, please. And here's Wade. I mean, I mean, he's out of sight. He's gone. He's out of sight. Rob is there with me a little bit, but he's like, and I'm like, I'm not a bad snowboarder. At some point, I'll show, well, we'll post the video at some point. I'm pretty decent. But these young people, man, they have no restraint whatsoever. Right? They think they're invincible. Right? They'll never die. And so they're just like, I'm talking, I don't even know where Wade went. He was gone. I couldn't even find him after that. But Rob and I are going down. Rob's over here. I'm over here. And there's a bunch of skiers and boarders in front of you. It's just the mountain's kind of packed. And all of a sudden, the people in front of me go right and left. And I'm like, ah, there's a jump right there. <laughs> so fortunately, I can, I can ride switch. I can turn and go either way I want to go. But I am directly on that jump. So I just do an immediate switch where I'm going to board out to the right. I do that. The ice is, I mean, it, I'm sliding so fast. So I just, I, all I could do to stop was hit the back edge of the board. And when I did, I'm talking, and Rob's like, man, you almost nailed that flip you did. And I'm like, I wasn't trying to do a flip. <laughs> I wasn't trying to do a flip. I landed on my shoulder, and it hurt really, really bad. And I come in, I told Angie, honey, my shoulder hurts. She goes, I don't care, you know better. <laughs> she didn't. She put some, uh, some uh, ointment on there to try and help it and let's put it this way I got a knot about an inch high here so father heal me in Jesus name <laughs> can anybody say amen but here's the deal we got to to do the tubing the boarding skiing and then we got to share some food and some bible study and a devotion and some uh, time of fellowship and a time of worship and that's something that we're really looking forward to seeing the young adults, and even the youth, a whole new season, right? A redo, because ultimately there's always what has come around will come around again, right? Here's the deal. Angie and I raised our kids. They grew up, and then now they're, you know, we got pitter-patter of little feet running around the house once in a while again. You know what they're called? Grandchildren, right? And that's our redo, and it's a whole lot more fun than the first run was. We don't get injured as much, <laughs> But I want to show you a few pictures from some of the things that took place on the mountain. Go ahead. That's Rob to the left there and the whole crew up there. There's Warren and his crew going tubing. Some more of those. Here's some of the tubers and the skiers. You can see them. Is that going down the, the tube, the slide area? Is that what that is? 
Is that me on the snowboard? I think it is. And then Rob Bray in the middle. And I think that's Nathan doing the jump. That's Nathan doing a jump. Uh, and this is Wade doing a jump. Jeremy was in that, grinding a, one of those steel. This is the thing about those young people too, right? So they have these steel poles in the ground. And you go up on your board, you know, like skaters or whatever, but they do it on their snowboard. You're talking, it's not just steel, it's cold steel. And you're cold. And they'll get on those things and just go like no big you know, deal. And I'm thinking, yeah, you know, I, I like my teeth. You know, I like my bones not broken. But these guys get out there, oh, look, a steel pole. Let's jump on that thing. Anyway, next. Is that it? I think that's all of them, right? Okay. So those, that's some of the fun we got to do. Now, here's the thing. Izzy is going to be putting together a, a video to give you guys a recap um, she's like, I- I'll work on it really hard. I'll try to get it done. If you want some stuff for Sunday, I'm like, no, we'll just do some photos. I don't want you to kill yourself trying to work all night. So I- take a couple weeks, Izzy, if you need to, to get that done. And, uh, huh? Okay. All right. Uh, <clears throat> and I really appreciate all the work uh, Izzy and the team have done. Angie and, and Kelly cooked for everybody that was up there and, and really appreciate them doing all that. Really appreciate uh, your support to the church to be able to take the young people away and do some things like that. Give yourself a hand clap for that. You are what makes ministry possible. There might be a message, there might be a vision, but without the body of Christ, none of it's possible. Amen. And so I want to talk about the power of the repeat, the redo, and share with you the first scripture because we're going to see something and, and you'll probably recognize a little bit more in the times that you've read scripture that God actually repeats himself quite a bit. You'll find concepts where he repeats over and over through his word. You know that's for a reason. And every parent in this room fully understands that because I will promise you, you have made this statement to your children at one point or another. How many times do I have to repeat myself? Until they get it, right? Until they get it. Sometimes they get it when they're a child. Sometimes they get it when they're a teenager. Sometimes they get it when they're a grown adult. But ultimately, you repeat yourself because you love them and you're looking out for them. God repeats himself because he loves us and he's looking out for us. And if we'll just simply allow ourselves to accept what he has to say, then our life will enter into a season of the redo. Listen to Joshua 1.9. It says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Say that for me. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now watch, Jeremiah 1.8. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. This is to Joshua, now to Jeremiah. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Now, I could have given you a a lot of other scriptures for that, but I want to give you those two because ultimately, in your life, there are things that you fear. And God wants you to be courageous. He wants you to take life on in a courageous manner and do not be afraid. The other thing is is that uh, people are influences in our life, and so there can be those moments, either the way they look at us 
or maybe it's something they say, and he's saying not to consider the look on their face. Do not be considered, or do not consider the look on their face and allow that to change your direction. Do not allow that to change the way you see something as long as it's aligned with the word of God. Why? Because he's the one that's leading you and you should never let an outside influence change what God is doing in your life, amen? So redo, here's what it means. To do again, <laughs> repeat, say repeat, revise, reconstruct, re, uh, remo- uh, excuse me, remodel, uh, renovate. We know what that looks like, right, ladies? Any of you ever had a kitchen remodeled? Nobody's ever had a kitchen remodeled, seriously? How about a bathroom? How about anything in your home, right? Did you like it after more than you did before? Probably because you got to choose what it looks like. Now, let me say this to you. You get to choose what your life looks like. God said he sets before you life and death and says, choose life. So I would say to you, choose wisely how you redo your life that Christ has given you by dying on that cross, redeemed you from the curse, and given you a new lot on life Choose wisely how you redo that life. To choose wisely, you've got to have the counsel of the Lord, the word of the Lord, right? The counsel of the Holy Spirit, the help of the Holy Spirit, the helper, the paraclete, to come alongside you, to invite him in, and to redo those devotions to him through his word, through prayer, through worship, through inviting the Holy Spirit consistently into your life. Repeat. Do it again and again dare I say, again and again and again, over and over again. Sometimes it can seem routine. That's what a disciplined one, a disciple does, is they will do the things that help to form them in the the nature, the character, the image of Christ, so that before you know it, it's like, wow, I didn't even really have to think about that so much. Why? You're no longer in conflict with what God asks of you. You're no longer saying no to God. You've come to the point of saying yes to God at every turn that he may ask you for something, that he may ask you to give of your life, that he may ask you to serve others, that he may ask you to share the gospel with that uh, family or the, the loved one or a friend or a work colleague or just somebody that you encounter in the marketplace as you go about life, that you won't withhold being Christ-like in your life, amen? So Philippians, do it again and again and again. Watch this, repeat. Philippians 3.1 says this. So then, my brothers and sisters, be glad in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to repeat the same things to you because they will help you, right? Keep on track. Come on, mom and dad. All you're trying to do is help your kids stay on track. And you repeat over and over and over again because you know they get off track and you repeat it so that hopefully at some point they'll accept that counsel and get on track. Come on. I would even say teachers. How many teachers do we have in the room today? A few. So here's the deal. How many of you with your students feel like, dear Lord, would they just please listen to what I'm trying to teach them? And you say it over and over and over and over again. Why? so that they can get on track with their education, right? If you're a math teacher, God bless you, you probably would have had a hard time with me. <laughs> your friends, you repeat things to your friends over and over because you love them 
and you want to help them stay on track. That's all God's trying to do through his word. He's trying to help us stay on track. And Paul said it, it was no trouble for him. No trouble to repeat it over and over again. See, today, repetition is more popular than, uh, uh, than ever thanks to the rise of marketing campaigns. Come on, somebody say social media. Good Lord. Have you ever seen the same video come up over and over? You're like, and you got to go on there and you got to click. What do you say? It's like, uh, not interested, basically, um, or repetitious, <laughs> right? But I could guarantee I could do a little jingle from uh, some of the TikTok videos out there or something like that, and you'd be like, oh, that's that thing, right? Why? Because it went viral. How did it go viral? Because it was something catchy, and it was repetitive, and it started taking a hold, and it was a, it's a marketing strategy, actually. Well, let me tell you now, God is the best at that. Uh, so, for instance, if I said, I'm, what is that? What is it? Mm-hmm. If I said, just do it. Right? We refer to this as branding or advertising, but it's just a concentrated form of repetition, of communication. Hearing the same thing over and over helps us remember, and it can build right, an association. We start to identify with it. And I know this as a parent and even as a grandparent, ba-na-bum-bum-ba is not a happy tune for me. <laughs> you know, grandbabies in the car, you know, commercial comes on, ba-na-bum-bum-ba, and the kids are like, I'm loving it. Hey, Papa, can we go to McDonald's? I'm like, go to McDonald's, man. No, I don't want to eat McDonald's. <laughs> So let me do this. We're going to do a few more. Ready? Uh, Give me a break. Give me a break. Break me off a piece of that. Oh, man, can you believe that? Like a good neighbor. Mm Mm-hmm. They're magically delicious. Oh, a few of you got that. They're magically delicious. I could have held up a four-leaf clover. You might have got it quicker. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what is that? Mm-hmm. The best part of waking up. Some of the young people are like, what? No, Starbucks, man. Ziggy's. Who's the Ziggy fan? Yeah. Now let me do this. I'm the righteousness of God. Hmm. I'm coming soon and do we know the word of God like we would know the things that are around us all the time? And so what I'm saying to you today is to understand the power of the repeat. Understand the power of the repeat of God's word in your life. That before you know it, you're in a situation, you wake up in the morning and, and you know, you're like, man, I'm tired, I need a cup of, you know, the best part of waking up, you know. Now, I don't, I, I have Starbucks or my favorite is, what is that? Um, it's the majestic blend of the yellow box with the little swirls on it. Genova, Genova or something like that. 
Genovia. Thank you. I, I love that coffee. I mean, I will drink that coffee. If somebody comes and I go to my, my uh, pantry and kids have been over and they've drank all that coffee, I'm like, who drank all my coffee? I didn't know it was your coffee. God models the importance of the redo. There are many scriptures in the Bible that repeat the same truths over and over and over. Repetition is the great teacher. Repeating is part of our everyday life. See, the power of the repeat helps us to establish beliefs. It helps us to establish from those beliefs values, from those values norms, or behaviors, actions, if you will. And they help us to experience a positive result that can only come from doing it again and again and again. Again and again and again. Do it again and again and again. Wake up in the morning. The psalmist said, early in the morning will I rise up and seek thee. What does it have to do with doing it again and again and again? And not only doing it again and again and again, but doing it first. Give it, God, your first every morning. If you give him your first, I promise the rest will turn out a whole lot better. So the passages, that, the, the two passages I read out of Joshua and Jeremiah, do not fear. Don't fear. 365 times in the Bible. How many days are there in a year? Can anybody tell me? You got 365 scriptures that you can wake up and you could read that would tell you, don't be afraid. Do not fear. Amen? So don't be afraid. But pastor... I'm afraid of what people might think of me. I'm afraid of whether or not they'll like me. Pastor, I won't, I won't, I'm afraid I won't get the job or I won't get the promotion. Uh, Pastor, I'm afraid of disease and sickness. I'm afraid for my kids, if they'll make the right choices, that, that they'll be safe. I'm afraid I don't have enough money to take care of my rent, my house payment, my car payment, my groceries, my insurance, my tithe. You fill in the blank. What is that that you face fear over your finances? Pastor, I'm afraid my spouse doesn't love me. I'm afraid that they might be leaving me. Pastor, I'm afraid people are talking behind my back, that they're, they're gossiping, uh, gossiping about me. Pastor, I'm afraid that people are using me. Pastor, I'm afraid that people are lying about me. Pastor, I'm afraid that my business isn't going to make it. Pastor, I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job. Pastor, I'm, I'm afraid that I won't get uh, that college degree that I'm pursuing. Pastor, I'm afraid that I won't find the special person to marry, to spend the rest of my life with. Pastor, I'm afraid that I won't have any friends. Pastor, I'm afraid that they might betray me. Pastor, I'm afraid that I won't fulfill my calling. Pastor, I'm afraid of addiction. Pastor, I'm afraid I have to work. You know that's a problem in this generation, right? I'm not talking about just young people. I'm saying people don't want to work like they used to know they had to work. Pastor, I'm afraid of commitment. Pastor, I'm afraid of mistreatment. Pastor, I'm afraid I'm going to die. I'm afraid of hardship. I'm afraid of persecution. I'm afraid to be a follower. I'm afraid to be a leader. I'm afraid to take responsibility for my actions. I'm afraid of sharing my faith in Christ with others. I'm afraid of snakes and spiders and bugs and lions and tigers and bears. Oh, no. Some are like, what is that? 
The Wizard of Oz. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh, no. Oh, my, I think is what it says. Pastor, I'm afraid of putting my full trust in Christ. Pastor, I'm afraid of blank. You fill it in. What are you afraid of today? I'm telling you right now, if you embrace the power of the repeat, you have nothing to fear, and it's what God has said to you, and he's given you 365 scriptures to support that. Let me read this passage, and then we're going to go back over those one more time. Isaiah 41 and 10. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. What did that say? My victorious right hand. Now, let's read those again. Pastor, I'm not afraid of what people think of me or whether or not they'll like me. Pastor, I'm not afraid I won't get the job or the promotion. I'm not afraid of disease and sickness. I'm not afraid for my kids, what, what, what direction they might take because I know that I've, I've poured the word of God and I'm training them up in the way they should go and when they grow old, they won't depart from it. Um, Pastor, I'm not afraid that I don't have enough money. I know that as I'm faithful to the Lord, that he'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing. I can't even keep it all for myself. I have to be a blessing for someone else and be like the God that I serve because I can trust that he's going to take care of me. Come on. Pastor, I'm not afraid that my spouse doesn't love me or that they're going to leave me because I love them the way that Christ loved the church. I, I'm going to serve them and I'm going, to, I'm going to love on them in such a way that they'd be crazy to leave me. And if they did, God will give me somebody better than that person because, Lord, have mercy. If I show the love of Christ and I love that person the way Christ loves me, God's going to take care of me. Come on, somebody. Pastor, I'm not afraid of people talking behind my back or gossiping. Pastor, I'm not afraid of people using me. I'm not afraid of people lying about me because in all of these things, I know that heaven holds the perfect record. Come on. Pastor, I'm not afraid that my business isn't going to make it because I know that God gave me the idea and if I acknowledge him in all my ways, he will direct my path. Pastor, I'm not afraid I'm going to lose my job because I'm going to be the best employee that that place has. Pastor, I'm not afraid that I won't get that college degree because I'm going to buckle down and I'm going to study and I'm going to listen to my teachers when they repeat it over and over and over again. Pastor, I'm not afraid I won't find that special person to marry. I'm going to trust God that he'll bring them to me. Pastor, I'm not afraid I won't have friends because I'm going to be a friend. Pastor, I'm not afraid that they might betray me because even Christ was betrayed. But in the midst of all of that, right, he said what? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Let me say this. The number one thing that you've got to do if you want to, uh, if you want to go through life and achieve everything that God has called you to do in the midst of the ups and the downs is develop some really tough skin and work hard. I'll tell you, it's a very hard thing to do, but work really, 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 really hard, right? Do it again and again and again. Are you with me? At keeping your heart soft. What is that? Always forgive, always release. Believe the best for those around you, amen? Pastor, I'm not afraid that I won't fulfill my calling because I know that God works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purposes. I'm not afraid of addiction anymore because I know that it was for freedom that Christ has set me free and that he can break the chains of addiction. 
I'm not afraid of work anymore because I know I serve a God that worked six days and rested one. Come on, come on with me. I know the American dream is, man, could I just do 20 hours a week and just go play the rest of the time? Y'all with me here? I just got to tell you, if you go read your Bible, you go, God worked six days and rested one. You're like, man, I ain't signing on for that. 40-hour work week, five days a week I'll work, and I want to play the rest. Come on. Our God is not afraid of work, and he created us to work. And let me say this, there's a blessing in work. One, you're tired enough to sleep. A lot of people's sleep problems, you know where they come from? Huh? Yeah, they're not tired. They're weary, but they're not tired. They worry, but they're not tired. And their worry keeps them awake because they're weary from not experiencing the blessing that comes from work. Come on. A little, a little, right? Uh, folding of the hands, a little crossing in the arms, and poverty comes upon a man. We need to want to work. Amen? Man, you're real silent on that one. Hmm. I'm not afraid of commitment. Because I know that God made the ultimate commitment for me in giving his son. And it was a commitment. And this is how we know it was a commitment. It wasn't that he came to the cross and then, I, let's see, am I going to commit to that? No, before the foundations of the earth, and I know I say it all the time, before the foundations of the earth, the Lamb of God was slain. Jesus made that decision before any of God's creation existed. That he was committed to make sure we could be redeemed. He was making sure. See, Jesus was, he was committing that we would have the opportunity for a redo at every turn in our life. That he doesn't give up on us, that he keeps working on our behalf. Pastor, I'm not afraid of mistreatment anymore. Because even though I may be mistreated from time to time, I've not suffered unto death as Christ did on the cross. By the way, that's a scripture. You have not suffered unto death. Christ did suffer unto death so that we could have life. What do you have to fear in this world when you know that God is for you and no one can be against you, amen? I'm not afraid that I'm going to die anymore because I have given my life to Christ and I know this, that even in the moment that I lay this body down in what we call in, in the natural realm death, even in my death, as it says in Thessalonians, my death is swallowed up by life. That I experience life on a greater level than I've ever known it because I am translated out of this and into that. I'm translated out of this, this um, uh, mortal world into the eternal world and given a glorified body by God. One that no, will no longer be sick. No pain, no sorrow, no suffering. Can you say amen? Hmm. I'm not afraid of hardship. I'll endure it like Paul told Timothy. Endure hardship as a good soldier of the Lord. I'm not afraid of persecution because anyone that would live godly in this world will suffer persecution. That's the words of our Savior. I'm not afraid to be a follower because I know that being a father, a father, a follower is the point of testing humility. I'm not afraid of being a leader because I know the moment that I step up to help somebody around me to go further than they can go by themselves, I have embraced humility on another level because I'm willing to give up myself for the betterment of another. Amen? 
I'm not afraid of taking responsibility for my actions because I understand that accountability is the only way that I can ever get a true picture. Just as James said, that when a man looks into the word, it's like looking into the mirror and he sees what manner of man he is, but when he walks away, he forgets that we need accountability so that we can face those things that we know that need to change. Call upon God for his grace and his mercy to guide us in that change as we apply God's word and discipline ourselves, amen? I'm not afraid of sharing my faith in Christ with others because I understand that it is the power of God unto salvation, as Paul the Apostle said in Romans 1. And I'm not afraid of snakes and spiders and bugs and lions and tigers and bears, oh no. (laughs) Well, maybe I am. I scream like a little girl when a spider comes around. I can handle a snake to a degree, but spiders, bro, no. Bugs I'm okay with, but I got to tell you, if you ever want a comedy show, you know, show up to church with a little jar of your own bug, whatever bug you choose, and just come up to Angie. You don't even have to take them out and show her those bugs, and I'm telling you what, you'll have a comedy show, because that girl's gone like a shot. You know, we're walking to a restaurant, we get out of the car, walking to the restaurant, and I'm kind of like, you know, and, and, you know, sometimes it's like, you know, I take her by the hand and we walk together, but there's those times, men, do you know, I mean, I'm kind of the guy that's on a mission, right? Whenever I'm going somewhere, I'm going there. And I get out of the car and I'm walking and Angie, I'm halfway to the restaurant and Angie's, you know, at the car almost. <laughs> you know, like, come on, but hey, if it was snowing and it was 20 degrees outside, you'd be sprinting past me. If there was bugs behind you, you'd be chasing past me. Matter of fact, you would run over me, you know. And all I'm going to say is that, you know, there are things that motivate us in life, right? Fear and faith are your greatest motivators. You have nothing to fear because you have a God that took on every challenge, every sin, every temptation known to mankind. He conquered it on the cross, right? And where do we access that power? By our faith in his work for us. If you have faith in Christ and you'll take those things that cause fear in your life to God, He will give you the power to overcome them if you'll just repeat. If you'll just repeat his word over your life and stop believing the lie, amen? And I'll close with this. The reality is that uh, repetition is the great teacher, right? The great communicators that we've seen in our world have used the power of repetition Perhaps one of the most famous examples in the past century was the I have a dream speech from Martin Luther King Jr. Listen to it. And so even though we face the difficult difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It's a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the Red Hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at a table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation 
where they will no longer be judged by the color of their skin, but the content of their character. I have a dream today. Now we know how powerful that, that, that speech was. The repetition is what drew people's attention to where the other words could actually take hold, could be seated in the hearts of people to hope for the same dream that Martin Luther King Jr. hoped for in his time. Now I will say that our nation is a far cry from what this man called for to our nation. Would you agree with me today? But let me tell you this, that, that what he had, the power he had to communicate, it didn't come from Martin Luther King Jr. It came from the fact that the man had faith in God, spent time in the Word of God, and was fashioned by God. And I believe he grabbed the hold of a, re a revelation of the power of repetition especially when that repetition is to say not just what we would consider right things but what would be true things and I want you to know there's no other place but the word of God to find that it's like well people say good I promise you if you find somebody saying something good you will be able to trace it back to the word of God and find that principle in the word of God I promise it why because he is the alpha and he's the omega he's the beginning and he's the end it originated with him and by the way he knew the end from the beginning and so when he started in the beginning he began with the end in mind and let me say that end is redemption to live out your relationship with Christ but to do that you got to embrace the redo you got to embrace the power of the repeat in your life get God's word daily prayer worship fasting even you know, put your flesh under just a little bit by skipping a cheeseburger. Come on. Put it under just a little bit. Come on. I don't know about you, but I, the worst part for me when I fast is, buddy, when I give coffee and sugar up, come on. Man, the headaches come on. My body starts to purify. You know, the stimulants in us, all of a sudden, uh, it starts to shift from our flesh crying out for what it wants to the spirit get what gets what it wants and now the spirit can lead the flesh by the way we'll start a fast as we as we uh get it. i always wait till after football's over let me tell you right now a lot of these churches man they're like hey we're declaring a 21 some of them are in it right now i know some of my friends at pastor and they're like man we're doing a 21 day fast i'm like more power to you buddy because i'm telling you right now when i'm hanging with my friends and i'm watching a football game the wings are calling yeah, you know, the, the chips and the queso, man, they, they, they're screaming. And I, and I want you to have success. Now, I'm going to give you something else about when we think of redo. Ah, I messed up and I, I fell short. Yeah, I didn't pray every day. Did you pray? Did you pray more than you prayed last year? Did you worship more than you did last year? Did you read the word of God more than you did last year? Then just keep moving forward. Keep redoing it. Repeat it. Do it again and again and again. And let God begin to do a work in you that can only happen when you give him an opportunity to work in you. But I want you to know, I've, I've had people that have gone on fast. I've gone on water fast for seven days. You know, come on now. <laughs> Why are you all looking down? And don't look at me, Pastor. I ain't doing that one. I remember doing some of those fasts. People would say, man, bro, you're crazy. I mean, I made it three days, and I just, you know, I just, I failed. And I'm like, when's the last time you did a three-day water fast? Well, I've never done one. I'm like, and you failed. 
How many people do you think actually fast regularly? How many do you think ever take that step to do a fast and, and to give your life over to the Lord? Let me tell you, it's a small fraction of people that actually take a step to do exactly what Jesus said. You want the greater power to work in your life? When the disciples are trying to cast out a demon and they can't get it done. Do you remember that? They're trying to cast the demon out of a boy and they couldn't get it done. Jesus comes on the scene and the father's like, please pray for my son. Your disciples have been praying and, and nothing's happening. And Jesus walks up to the little boy. He says to the dad, he goes, do you believe that he can be free? Watch this. I believe. Help me in my unbelief. I believe, but there are still places I have unbelief. Come on, somebody. There's still places that I'll battle fear, and I need faith, but, but somehow i got to get into that repetition. i got to get into the repeat, and i got to redo those things and exercise my faith in Christ until I come to that place of where I don't have fear in that area anymore. I have faith, and I know that God is going to show up in that situation. I don't know if you've ever had the light or the, the switch flipped, but I've had the switch flipped in different areas of my life and my walk with Christ and see God do a miracle. And I'm like, whoa, how did that just happen? And I can trace back, you know what? I know that my prayer life has increased, the study of God's word, but I'll tell you this. I, I just came out of that fast two months ago and I'm seeing God do some greater things. And then Jesus' disciples said, why couldn't we cast the demon out? And he said, some only come out, but by prayer and fasting. Spiritual disciplines, repeat them again and again and again and watch God work in your life. And I close with this final statement. Remember the power of the repeat. Make your own slogan. What was it? So what's your own little jingle? What's the worship song that really gets you moving in your worship for God? Grab a hold of that. Plug that in. And when you're looking at the word of God, it's like I said, I am the righteousness of God. That's one of my favorites, see? I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I used to read it, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Now I read it, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I can't get it by myself. I got to be in Christ. Jesus, I need you to help me live like you do. And I know this, that the only way that that is possible is to get to the Father. But I can't get, the Bible says this, I can't come to the Father unless it's through the Son. And I can't come through the, to the Son unless the Spirit of God leads. No man comes to the Father unless the Spirit leads him. And I promise you, the Holy Spirit is always going, may not physically take you by the hand, but His Spirit is going to take you by the hand. He goes, hey, let's go to Jesus. But He's got, right? He's right in there with the Father. You can come boldly before the throne of grace and attain the mercy you need because the things that you feel like you failed at, I've secured that for you so that you can come to the place you need to come to get what it is you can't get any other way. His mercy so that you're in his favor, his grace. And you begin to live it out like you've never lived it out before. Why? Because it is my power at work within you. Amen? So here's my slogan. You want to hear my slogan? Here it is. Redo me, Lord. Redo me. Redeem me. Restore me. Remake me in the image of your son, Jesus Christ. Make me the man of God that you desire to be.
me to be. Redo me, Lord. I don't know what yours will be, but I hope you make one. To where, you, where it starts to become the jingle in your head that when you wake up in the morning, redo me, Lord. Again, that's mine. Redo me, Lord. I don't care if you want to take it, take it. But have something that is a quick reminder. Redo me, Lord. I'm here this morning and I want to honor you. I want to love on you so that I can be more like you. Amen? Stand on your feet with me if you would. Father, I thank you this morning for your people. God, I ask your blessings on them. Would you take the hand of your loved ones? Mm. Angie, would you come up here with me? I'm going to do this as a declaration. (laughs) Father, right now in Jesus' name, I declare over your people, over their families, God, over their friendships. I declare your good word. Father, I speak to them that your Holy Spirit might have place in every single one of us more this year than it has in the former years. Lord, you talk about in your word, forget the former things. Behold, I do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? And I pray a new thing would spring forth in the lives of your people, God and their families, their marriages, the workplace, Father in their faith, God in all aspects, I pray that they would be the head, not the tail, above and not beneath. Lord, that you would go before them and you would also come as the rear guard, keeping them around, a hedge of protection around them, that Father their lives would be envied by others but Lord they would make it known that it can be emulated if you will only understand the power of the repeat the devotion that we have to the Lord and I bless them in Jesus mighty and precious name and everyone said amen hey God bless you thanks for the extra time this morning oh by the way Jesse Davis is here next week bring a friend do this with me I will 